And as I've, as I've mentioned before, and some of you maybe had this experience too, as a kid, that was the prayer we said every night at dinner. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. Like, remember that every single evening. Um, and as the youngest, I often had to be the one who said it for whatever reason. It was the domain of the youngest child. Somehow I'm the only one to talk with. So I don't know. Maybe it's good that I had to keep saying it. Um, but those two statements, God is great and God is good, are both true statements if we look at scripture. But sometimes um, they can feel a little bit contradictory. And there are some people who say, okay, if God is great, then why isn't he able to not have tragedy happen? But if God is good, then why would, why would they ever happen? If God is good and loving, then, then bad things shouldn't happen to us. And if God is great, then God should be able to stop those bad things, right? And we're talking in this, this series about death and dying and grief in general. I mean, it can be grief over anything. And how does God's goodness exist as true if God's greatness can't stop happening <laughs> or worse if God's greatness actually causes bad things to happen because God is sovereign over all things then where does that leave us on the question of God's goodness so they can feel a little bit clashy at times and I think we need to talk about this piece of it before we move on because of the, the prevalence we have these ideas that roll around that, again, there's a reason for everything, right? People say that, they throw that out. Okay, when bad things happen, okay, there's a reason for everything, which kind of implies God caused this to happen. God has a reason. Uh, or we say things like, well, God needed your loved one. Well, what does that mean, you know, in terms of God making this happen? Um and the bad ideas out there mean we have to be pretty solid and clear in what the good ideas are. And maybe the most important good idea when we talk about this topic is that God does not bring about evil. And there are some who very strongly believe that God does order and command every single thing that happens on this earth. Um, they will go to one side and emphasize God's sovereignty and God's greatness. But that kind of is at the expense of God's character. He's no longer good. If you can say he is causing every little thing. But if we go back to, let me switch cameras here. While I do that. Okay. We go back to that chart we looked at last week, that Wesleyan quadrilateral, or other people claim it too, but you know, new Wesleyans claim it, um, that we make decisions based on reason, experience, tradition, and scripture. And this notion that God brings about evil isn't really supported by reason or experience, or as we're gonna look, scripture. But um, 
you know, when we hold these ideas, it does bring a little bit of problematic thought thinking about God. So we're going to go to scripture and I want to look at it in groups of different verses. And as I read through these verses, have in mind the, the question, what do you see in this group of verses about God as a potential source of evil? So the first few, James 1.13, and remember when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and God never tempts anyone else. First John 1 John 1.5, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you God is light and there's no darkness in God at all. Again, first John, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Second Peter 3, God does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. And James 1.17, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. So based on those, what, five verses? What do you see there about God as a potential source of evil? I'll kind of flip them up again real quickly while we're thinking. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's possible for them to be a source of evil. It doesn't seem like it's possible. Is that what you said? Yeah. Why? Because it says that God is um, light and he has no darkness and everything that's perfect comes from him. It doesn't say everything that's bad. Yeah. Yeah, everything perfect comes from God. Every good gift. <laughs> and if God is only light, and those are obviously metaphor, light, means, um, then yeah, where does where does that darkness come from? If it says very clearly, it doesn't come from God. It doesn't exist within God. What is love? I mean, definition. All right, next group of three here. Psalm 5, not a God who delights wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. 
Isaiah 6 3, holy, holy, holy. Becca, Becca, can you, Becca, can you mute? <laughs> Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glories. glory. And Proverbs 8, 13, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. So it's telling us something in those three verses about God and evil. What do you see? Like God doesn't like evil or darkness or all the bad things that happen. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't tolerate evil. He doesn't delight in it. He can't even stand to be near it. So hard to imagine it coming from him. Especially if is an Isaiah, his character is holy, his person is holy. It's like the foremost characterization of God. This next group is a little harder. Genesis 50, 20, and this is talking about just this is Joseph speaking after his time in prison in Egypt, speaking to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for all for good. The Lord brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Familiar verse Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. And Romans 5.3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. So that's a little different look at pain and sorrow and grief and God. And how do those show us God as a potential source of pain and evil? I guess God uses what happens to bring, to help people or help you know, for us to then help people or something. Not that we, he tries to, anything that bad happens, this is hope for what he does, but he's trying to then use whatever has happened with us to put us in the position so that we can help other people. Okay. Yeah, I think this is where people get a little, uh, they misinterpret things by saying, oh, that happened because God wanted you to do this and everything happens for a reason, but it happens because God left us free will and we don't always act in accordance with what he would want. And so as okay, that didn't work. Let's make this 
work out better. We're going to change the outcome some. Plan B, Plan B is that you will learn something from this. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, human being, like, especially in this Genesis verse, human beings might do things intending to harm and intending to cause grief. But that doesn't mean that, that you know, if we look at the Romans verse again, it doesn't mean that God, it doesn't say God causes all the bad things. It says God causes them to work together for good that he can bring about good, that God can bring about learning and understanding and, and better from us. But it doesn't mean he caused it. So we've got two more. John 1, 14, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And Hebrews 1.3, the Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. These might seem a little more difficult to ask the question, okay, what do you see here as God as a potential source of evil? But they're actually really some of the most important verses when we're talking about God as possibly causing evil, because how do they tell us, what do they tell us about God? He's all powerful. Yeah. So God is great. <laughs> what else? How do we know ultimately what God is like? Have we ever seen God? Have we ever walked up to God and shaken God's hand and said, now I know what you're like? We personally have not. But a lot of other people did. And we have the recording of it in the whole New Testament. And ultimately, if we want to know what God's character is, we turn to Hebrews 1.3. Jesus radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. Anything that we see in Jesus is the character of God. And if we examine Jesus' life, we don't see any intent to cause evil. 
we don't see anything but healing and goodness. And yeah, sometimes anger, but that can bring about goodness. <laughs> and so this is, this is really our plumb line. This is what tells us what God is like if we look at Jesus. And as Brent was saying before, creation was perfect in the beginning. God said, this is good. It is very good, meaning it is in perfect harmony. It is in perfect order. And as we know from Revelation, it will be the same way in the end. It's going to be completely restored. So it's kind of a difficult jump to say that, well, God wills something else entirely in the in-between. It doesn't seem within God's character. It doesn't seem within God's intent in creation that if it was supposed to be perfect, that suddenly in the middle, he's like, ah, no, plan B. I'd rather make it chaos. <laughs> and if Jesus is God on earth, we don't imagine Jesus ever producing evil. We just don't see it. Now, through scripture, it does teach us clearly God is within divine right to do anything because God is great and God is sovereign and ultimately the one who has the choice. And we don't because we're not God. And we get that in Job and we get that in Proverbs. We understand that, okay, God can choose to do whatever. But the primary message we get and the, the verse that we're told is quoted the most often in scripture itself is this characterization of God in Exodus 34. Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. And that's what we get more often than not. We're told over and over and over in scripture, that's who God is. And we, we cannot leave out when we're talking about this, um, other parts of this, God can judge and God does judge. The very next part of that verse in Exodus says, but I do not excuse the guilty. So it does happen. God can be the source of our pain when it comes in the form of judgment for actual real guilt. Uh, always in the hope that we're going to return like Jonah did. You know, we see that in, in Jonah's cycle. Okay, you didn't decide to go this way, so we might have to make something else happen. <laughs> and so God can and does judge us at times. Um, God does allow evil. Because, again, as Brent said earlier, God allows free will. Human beings are allowed to be human beings and have free will. And we complain a lot about evil. And we ask, hey, why doesn't God stop this? But the truth is, a lot of the time, not always, obviously, you know, we have hurricanes and tsunamis. And, and there's nothing we can do about that except possibly take care of our environment better. But sometimes, a lot of times, we have the ability to stop it. We just don't have the will or the courage. So we can complain a lot about evil, but a lot, most of the time, mm, source kind of falls within human beings, not within God. And we could stop it, but we don't. And the other thing we have to remember, as, as we said in the Romans verses, God does use evil. 
in order for good things to come from it. We learn, we grow, we become patient, we become compassionate, we become wise, we learn to trust God more and lean on God more and be more dependent. Um, I can tell you for absolute fact that I am a, a very different person and a much better person for a lot of the pain of the past. And I don't think I'd want to be the person that I was before those things happened. God does use it, but he doesn't make it happen. And it's, it's within God's goodness and his lovingness that he does make something good out of it. I'm not totally hearing you. The tsunami thing, what? Tsunamis are usually caused by the tectonic plates shifting, not anything that's in our environment. Oh, okay. We cannot control tsunamis. Well, yeah, yeah. That was not the best example. <laughs> you are correct. Any other thoughts before we move on to the next part? So scripture doesn't tell us that God is the source of evil. It does tell us, in fact, what is the source of evil. In John 8, 44, for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And Romans, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So where do we find our source of evil? Us and the devil. <laughs> Inherited. Yeah, it says the Satan. Also, the accuser is another word, meaning of that word, is the source of all lies, all deception, all rebellion. And unfortunately, human beings were happy to play along. And a lot of the times we still are. I'm not sure um, how so many people actually deny the existence of, of human sin and evil, because, you know, when I hear that and I see that, I'm just kind of like, have you looked around recently? Because <laughs> it's pretty clear to me that um, it exists and it's real. And so unfortunately, we were, we were okay with following the deceiver and the liar instead of God. So is this just all an intellectual exercise about the source of evil? Is that all we're doing today? Um, and I think not, because first of all, we do, again, have to recognize that evil exists and that God is not okay with it. 
and God is most definitely not the source of it. Um, we know from Genesis 1 that death comes from sin and evil. And so it's important, I think, for us to recognize when we hear ideas about, you know, about God and death, and, and we hear people saying, you know, implying at least <laughs> that God is sitting around in heaven deciding, okay, who's next? You know, he's up there pulling numbers like some belly counter employee saying, oh, yours is up. And that's not true. <laughs> But we say those things and we hear those things. But can you imagine saying that to someone in grief and pain? Or imagine someone saying that to you. You know, that's just that's just God up in heaven saying, oh, it's time. And apparently that is just not true according to scripture. So we need to be able to contradict that and say, no, nope, that's not what's going on. That is not what God is doing when we are in grief. And then the question of course is, where is God when we are in grief? Anybody have any answers for that one? Right there with you. Yeah, we talked last week. I mean, we see it. If Jesus is the very image, the very character of God, last week we saw Jesus with his friends in grief. And what was he doing? Weeping, groaning, getting angry <laughs> at death. That's where God is when we are in grief, right next to us, weeping with us. And God understands. I mean, God, the son, died on a cross while God the Father had to watch. And we can't really wrap our heads around that, but that is an ultimate grief we cannot imagine. So our theology just doesn't have room in it at all for phrases like, oh, God just needed your grandpa in heaven. Or God decided her time was up. Or there's a reason for everything. What it does have room for is, hey, God weeps with you. God grieves with you. God loves you and hates the evil that is causing your suffering. And God knows what this feels like. And so it's important for us to think through those things and to replace those kind of those not truths with things that are true. When we're comforting people, when we're being comforted. And again, it doesn't matter what kind of grief we're going through. There are a lot of different kinds. But the reality is God is right there with us. That's where God is when we are grieving. Let's close in prayer. Almighty God, source of all mercy and giver of comfort, deal graciously with those who mourn that casting all their sorrows on you they may know the consolation of your love through your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.